Hi, I'm Emily Gong, and welcome to Art Focus Spoken. Our mission is to feature the voices of artists and unite creative communities across the globe. We aim to do this amid COVID-19 in our ongoing series called Creating Through Crisis. On today's episode of Art Focus Spoken, we are honored to speak with Oxford and London-based fine art, fashion, and portrait photographer, Bella Kotak. Bella is founder of Color Lab and ambassador for Phase One, Smug Mug, Hanson Paper, and Vanguard. Today, Bella is speaking with us from the comforts and safety of her home in Oxford, UK. It's been incredibly inspiring following Bella's journey, and I'm very excited to speak with her today. Bella, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Hey, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you. Great. And so for uh, audience members who may not know you yet, could you tell us a bit about yourself and the style of your art, please? Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, I'm a fairy tale. I don't know if you mentioned that, but I would describe myself as a fairy tale and fashion fine art photographer. So I'm based here in the UK um, and also the US. And yeah, essentially the work I create and share publicly online is in a very niche genre, but one that brings me a lot of joy. And then it also brings in a lot of, you know, interest as well from the outside world. And so a lot of the work that I create for my clients is, yeah, within that genre too. Great. And could you perhaps show us some examples of your work? And for those of us joining us on audio format, uh, for podcast format, could you give a, a visual description? Sure. So I'm going to go ahead and just share my screen over here and show people who are watching uh, what my website looks like, because essentially that's like, you know, where I have all my pictures. I'm going to go to this little series over here. And essentially, I would describe my work as really feminine, very floral, uh, very escapism driven. I love fantasy and fairy tales and, you know, anything Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, his dark materials, anything that takes you and whisks you into another world. And actually, for anybody watching uh, this, this is Emily over here. Emily had the pleasure. I had the honor of having Emily um, in my, yeah, as to join one of my little worlds. So, yeah, it's very floral and feminine. and That was really fun. And it, I felt like I became your Renaissance flower arrangement. And the dress was beautiful, too. Yes. So that particular dress was by a designer in Romania. And I reached out to her to ask if she'd be interested in collaborating. And that's how usually a lot of um, my work comes about. I love to collaborate with other creatives. Yes, and I feel like you. when I look at your photographs, it's like capturing a certain moment where I almost feel like I'm going like, and then holding my breath, and then like, feeling like I'm in the image in a way, like trans, like I'm transported. It's so interesting to hear you say that because that's pretty much exactly what I think I try to capture. So I, I think that a lot of my work is character driven. I love to create little characters. So I think that's exactly what you were feeling where I changed, I not changed you, but I invited you to be a character from another world or another, you know, story. 
and then you essentially embodied that and then that's what we created together we created a story together and then for you how much of it is the story you think of before the shoot and how much of it is like as you go like the story maybe you didn't envision will unfold it really depends on the shoot. So for some pictures, I definitely think of the story way beforehand, like 90%. I've got it ready in my head. I know exactly how it's going to come together. And then 10% is, ex you know, execution. But most of the time, and I'll be honest, it's the other way around where I'll have like maybe 10 to 20% an idea of a story. And then I leave myself a lot of space for it to come together organically when we're on set. So it depends on, you know, who the model is and how she feels that day. Because sometimes I'll be shooting with somebody and they're just not having a great day. But then that energy and emotion get, can get translated into like a really, you know, sad, melancholy kind of expressive shoot. And then if I have somebody who is, you know, very happy and bubbly and then I and it's a bright, sunny day and then suddenly the story shifts and, the, you know, the idea that I had changes. Um, on the shoot because I do definitely take into account different elements on the set itself. That's so interesting how you talk about the emotion of the model almost becomes the medium in a way when you're going when you're in the shooting process. Yeah I think it's really important because especially when you're shooting with other people you're not just shooting like a thing so they're channeling an expression and it's our job as a photographer to really not just shoot the surface because any any image that you find yourself naturally drawn to there's something there that you're drawn to and usually it's emotion like we're connected to things emotionally so when I'm shooting with somebody I'm not just shooting their expression I'm trying to go behind and beyond that and that means I really need to tap into their energy so that I can capture it in a way that feeds what I'm trying to create as well wow so like really tuning in like you and the model and yeah going from there yeah and I think that also lends to really great friendships <laughs> because there's a really beautiful connection between a photographer and their subject and also especially when you're a photographer who tries to go beyond just the surface then the moment you connect with somebody I believe you've already struck a friendship with them or at least some kind of relationship with them and in my case I just I love making friends yes well thanks for bringing a lot of us together like all the creative communities because you're not just based in Oxford you're based really mm -hmm. around the world and I bet that in this time, you were actually probably going, supposed to be in other places, right? Because I remember your schedule is like every month and you're in a different place, essentially. It's so funny you mentioned that. So today is the 16th of April, and I was actually supposed to be flying back to the UK from Bali. <laughs> so, yeah, we were actually supposed to be in Bali and Singapore, and my husband and I, he's also in the industry, so he's a retoucher. So we were leading a creative retreat over there and going to be planning loads of photo shoots with local people there. But obviously, times being what they are, that's all been cancelled. But at the same time, not like so that didn't happen, but other things have happened instead. So, yeah. you know, it's okay.
Yes, and I would love to hear more about um, how how you're getting on in this time too. And so that brings us to um, share your workplace segment. And I already see behind you, I feel like there's a story behind you in different pieces and trinkets and also like a visual library. And so our workplace is not only a physical space like your studio or office, but also a mind space where your visualizations, thoughts and ideas flourish. So could you share with us your workspace? Of course. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and lift this up a little bit. One second. So let me just unplug my charger. I'm actually going to take you around. So this is where I find myself often working, especially when I'm doing color work. So I have two workspaces and this is my inside office. So I usually edit over here and I have my tablet there. And then I don't know if I mentioned, but I'm an avid reader. So <laughs> I have all my books over here and I collect all my props and stuff are like all in these little boxes and baskets. This whole basket is full of wigs. Um, so many wigs. And then more books and then more props. I've got little paintings by people and headpieces made for me by um, designer. And then over here, this makes me laugh every time I see it. So my husband is really into pistachios. <laughs> And you can make so many amazing things with pistachio shells. So, for example, I don't have any... We're losing you a bit in terms of the... Oh, sorry. Um, but anyway, can you hear me properly now? Great. So, yeah, you can make loads of things with pistachio shells. So, I've got, like, a big collection now. And, yeah, this is pretty much it. I've got prints over here. And I've got a massive print over here. Beautiful. Yeah. And then I always, so over here I have a little collection of things that inspire me. So at the moment I'm really into flowers and just, you know, summer, summer feels. So this is like a little mini vision board for upcoming shoots. Beautiful. So will you change it up every now and then? Yeah. Es essentially, yeah. I like to like have things in front of me that I can work towards. So if I... I'm a very visual person, so if I have like things in front of me, it helps me when shoots come around to already have ideas on the top of my head. And so like it like that brings us to the way that you usually like to work. And so what are some major changes to your routine in the present situation? And how have you been finding yourself adjusting to the workflow? Um it's been really interesting because I'm often very much planning new projects. So it's I think for the past five years, I haven't stopped planning the next thing. So I've never really had a time where I kind of didn't have anything scheduled. Um, I didn't have deadlines and, and anything like that. And that feeling is incredibly strange. Um, as I'm sure many people can kind of connect with too. It's a really strange time right now. But I also like to think of it as a break. I haven't had a proper break in a very long time. So right now what I'm doing is really using this break to catch up on all of my like past work and edits and really set up for projects I can do when things when the you know, when everything starts getting going again. So one of the things that I really want to bring to life is a book. So 
and spending some time right now putting together all the images and text for that book. Um, and then another thing I'm doing a lot right now actually is I have a color shop, um, an educational platform to teach people how to edit and color tone their photographs. So I've actually been making products for that because I now have, you know, an ample amount of time for it. Um, and then we all have more time nowadays too. So I would love to hear more about those projects later on. And then how about your like day-to-day -day routine? Has that changed? Uh, yes, I would say it has a little bit. I'm spending way more time on the computer. <laughs> so I'm definitely like, yeah, on the computer all the time actually at the moment. Because everything is pretty digital. I'm not, you know, out shooting. So my, my day isn't broken up as much. So more often than not, I'm on the computer around 80% of the day. And then I allocate like 20% of the day to go do some exercise, go for a walk, go for a little drive if possible. But yeah, that's it. Home, completely stuck at home right now. I remember before you would spend like a whole day shooting and then that could be back to back to back. Um, so how about now? So are you doing any shooting at all? Yes, actually. So I started to do self-portraits again. When I first started doing photography, um, I around over 10, yeah, around 10 years ago, I didn't have the confidence to shoot other people because my skill set wasn't that great at that time. You know, when you're a hobbyist, you're still learning how to do things. So I didn't really... Um, have the skill set to shoot other people, the confidence, and at that time I just thought I'll take photos of myself and grow my skills alone. And so then the years went by and I started shooting other people and etc. And I have now decided to come back full circle and do self portraits again. So I did, I've done three that um, I'm really, really proud of because it's a mental exercise. It's so difficult for me to be in front of the camera because I'm a huge, Emily, you know this, I'm a massive control freak when I'm shooting the shots. So if I see things on the model, I'm always tidying and finessing it like, you know, as an artist would, you would just fix it first. And when I'm in the shot, I can't like fix it. But when I'm working with you, that's great because you have such a clear image, and you'll be and you direct it in a way that's very good for the flow of it. It flows really well, and it's like different pieces falling together. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't say it's control freak. It would be like very clear idea for what your uh, vision is and how to realize it. Yeah, so it must be really different when you're on the flip side of it. It's so difficult because I can't, I actually thought, had this epiphany that I'm going to start bringing a mirror to photo shoots. So then that way, where the camera is set up, I can have a mirror and then I can see what I look like and what the camera is going to capture. Because then, like, for anybody who looks at my work, every strand of hair is exactly where I want it to be. Every, like, piece of fabric is exactly how I want it to be. And so... I'm, when, with me not being able to see that, I felt like for the past few shoots I've been shooting a little bit blind. Mm. Um, so it's been interesting. But at the same time, it's been teaching me something else, which is to maybe learn to let go. So everything is a lesson. Um, I've been learning a little bit to let go and then challenge myself in Photoshop to bring it together <laughs> in a way that makes sense. <laughs> 
That sounds really exciting though. I'm really excited to see like more of those. Could you actually share some of them with us? Mm-hmm. I can. We actually uh let me see. I'll pull it up on my um screen in a moment. Could you fairly enlarge it? Or I guess it's like pretty clear too. That one's so beautiful. Thank you. And the mask is beautiful too. It goes all the way around, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So the mask and dress are from a designer uh, called Lori Sun. She's based in America, uh, just near New York. And I've worked with her before last year and because we were planning the retreats in Bali I actually reached out to her asking if she could send me some designs so that I could shoot her pieces in Asia and she did she sent me a whole box full of things and unfortunately because I wasn't able to take it with me to Asia I decided to use them in my self-portraits and she didn't mind she's actually really supportive she's very happy about it and so are those pearls in your hair that we see so yes correct yeah and could you just describe it a bit like uh, as a visual description so what you're seeing over here is shot an image that was shot around three weeks ago when the bushes near my house we have these beautiful bushes that go bright yellow i think they're called uh for for Cynthia, something like that and they're bright yellow bushes and they only stay yellow for about two weeks So I shot myself in those bushes and I tried to get a moment where I was kind of like enveloped by nature and I dressed up as a way, almost like a fairy queen would. I have a beautiful um, piece that goes around the face and then a big dress with lots of ruffles and I chose that dress because the ruffles remind me, connected, connect to the leaves on the nature as well. So that connection between subject and background and is really, really important. It feeds the story of the image. And I wanted to capture a moment where there's a girl who is, you know, embraced and in lost in a moment in spring, which is my favourite season. So I'm hoping that I was successful in that. And I actually thought the yellow was a little bit too strong when I was editing the photo in Photoshop. So I actually went and turned it into another colour and we went more in a pink direction. And I felt that the pink connected more with my makeup. So again, there was another like colour connection I was making there to sort of tie the scene together for a, you know, aesthetically pleasing visual. And there's so many like layers to this. Like it kind of looks like you're enthroned on the flower bush. And also like just you're very in the moment and it's like a breath that you take to really like absorb and you're like completely there in that moment and I feel like we join you Mm. um in that piece and I I think I've mentioned to you before when I first saw it I don't know why it reminded me of um peaking opera masks like the style of that and um maybe it's partly of like the mask around or your makeup or something um but when I was little my grandfather would always be listening to Peking opera um so like and watching it and so there's some element of that there maybe also the color tones because it's usually like beige pink and black yeah it could be that too I'm really drawn to um all cultures and but ever since I was little I was really really drawn to the Chinese culture 
I think it's because we had a Chinese channel and I loved watching it because the costumes and the styling was just so beautiful. Um, so I've always been drawn to it just, just from like that point of view. That's fascinating. And your pieces are so like open to interpretation too. Like we can see your story, but as well as our story reflected inside your story. And that's mm. just really precious. Thanks for sharing. No, thank you. And I think there was another one, like, um, of your headshot. That one's really beautiful, too. I was actually looking for that one to show you, but I can't find it. <laughs> no my, everything's on my other computer. Maybe we can insert it later. I decided to do this. That's a great idea. I can send it yeah. over. It's, a, it's the same flower bush, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for that one, I decided to keep the yellows. And I loved how it looked because the way we shot it was that the um it was like as if i was like peeking through the flower the leaves to the camera yes i definitely see that and so um you've shared a lot of your uh workspace and workflow with us and so are there any particular things you do to cultivate a workspace where you can best work um yes somewhere that you feel inspired so this hasn't always looked like this. I've actually tried really hard to make it a space where the moment I come in, it's work mode and I'm in my little bubble. So my husband, who also works here when he's visiting me, um, struggles a lot in this space because I'm very much a maximalist. I love having things and he's the absolute opposite. <laughs> he's a minimalist. He wants to be in a, like, a white room with one table, like, that's his style um, but for me this inspires me so whenever I see things around me my idea there's always ideas going and colors in my head and that all of that feeds into my process great and then so these days are there any particular self-care activities you're doing yeah I'm actively going to bed early so this might be something really normal for most people, but I really struggle with sleep. Um, so something I'm really doing to look after myself right now is going to bed early and making sure I go at the house for at least one hour um, for like a walk or a jog. Great. Yeah. And it's it's quite naturey where you are, right? Like there's like um, you can go on long nature walks. Yeah, really lucky. So I live in I live in the countryside. And I just remember for a lot of your shoots, you would find these amazing places. So there would be like enchanted forests, as well as kind of castle looking places and just gardens, range of those. Yeah, there's actually a lot when you go and look for them. Um, I actually discovered a lot of these things through photography. Like I would always be open to new locations. I would Google places and ask around and people were always happy to recommend. So it's surprising what you can discover when you actively look for it. Thanks for sharing that. And so now moving on into our trust the process segment. So most often it's the end work that the public sees, but there's so much more that goes into it than meets the eye. So could you share us an element of your process that we don't, that's not really evident in your end work that you wish more people were more aware of? Yeah, there is a lot of trust, like you said, um, 
not just in the process but also in yourself so a lot of people don't see I mean I don't show a lot of the work I only show a very small amount of what I create so it's so easy to say oh somebody's amazing based on just what they show and selected to show um, because no one's seeing like the 99% of work created that isn't actually that great but you have to go through that like you have to make sure you have to keep pushing yourself through the bad decisions or the good decisions or any decision actually um, because you never know where you'll end up so I actually plan a lot of photo shoots not knowing if they're going to be successful or not hoping they will be successful but if they're not successful I've learned something from it so I think what's really really important is to trust yourself in knowing that you that anything you ever do will never be a failure because you will always learn something from it whether it works out or not great thanks very much for sharing um so bella could you please walk us through your journey and it's really incredible how you've made a sustainable career from your passion but i'm sure that there was a lot of steps along the way and challenges and things like that. So could you walk us through um, what sure. it's been like? Yeah, um, do you mean my journey from when, like from the beginning or where I am right now? I guess all, all of it if you could. And <laughs> I'll do a really quick summary. Um, so I actually studied as an architect and I actually worked as an architect. So photography when I was younger wasn't never something that I thought I would ever get into as a career. So I feel like I slipped into this quite surprisingly. Um, so when I was in architecture school, I actually started to learn Photoshop because that's what the program we needed to use to, you know, evolve and share our ideas. And so it was through Photoshop that I discovered photography. Um, and then that was around 10 years ago. And then essentially after that, it was just small small decisions after another to lead to to lead me to a place where I was able to make more money in my photography work than my architecture job and I think that's really how anybody who's ever chasing a passion should kind of um no I wouldn't say that's how anybody should do it actually I think be open to possibilities so for me, when I was in architecture, I wasn't 100% happy, but what I was was content because I was getting, you know, good money every month, but it wasn't fulfilling a, a set of expectations that I had for my life. And so photography was just a skill set that I was nurturing as a hobby on the side that I never really thought could be a career. It was just a skill set. But with my attitude being what it is, which is to always make each image better than the one before and to nurture anything that ever inspires me, whether that's photography or whether it's drawing or painting or music, I always try and nurture my interests through talking to people, through learning on YouTube, through investing in courses, because it's fun at the end of the day. It's, you should always be doing things that are fun for you. And so... That's how suddenly I began to realize that I was having a lot more fun doing photography and I was really loving the lifestyle that I was having, the invitations I was getting to lead workshops and I was teaching suddenly and I was able to 
cultivate other people's journeys in their creative um, endeavors, which I found was incredibly fulfilling. Because it's so nice when you can have a positive impact on somebody else. And so that's pretty much how I landed here. It felt that I was living, I felt like my life now made so much more sense than, you know, being an architect ever did. And it was not an easy decision to make because when you're sacrificing a steady paycheck into something that's a little bit um, unusual and unknown and you don't know if you'll even be able to make it work, it's not an easy decision to make. But I think that I was able to make that because I knew that I worked hard. So I could always trust in that. Like I wasn't leaving so I was leaving a lot to chance, but what I wasn't keeping up to chance was my my attitude. Like I know I can work hard. I know I can chase uh, dreams, and I know I can. If other people can make it a career in doing whatever they're doing, I can too. So I think attitude is really important. Yes, that's very courageous and like a big leap of faith. And you outlined your architecture career and now your photography career. But there must have been a lot of overlap between the two, right? That's correct, yeah. So I think architecture really, really taught me how important this is to be conscious of a space and of a person's experience in that space. So architecture isn't just about what the building looks like visually, although that plays a huge role in how we design things. We want things to look aesthetically pleasing. So that feeds into my um, idea ideals for my photography vision. And then when someone's inside a space, a space is always designed to enhance a viewer's, um, a, a user's experience and also their behavior. So that psychology I also bring into my work too. I want somebody that when they look at my work to feel as if they can go into that scene. And I really like to control a viewer's eye and then hide little details. And and, and that's why I'm very detail-orientated in my work because that level of detail I feel impacts a person's experience of a piece. It's a piece that I want somebody to look at over and over and discover something new each time. Um, whether that's the lighting or the color, the way I've chosen to incorporate certain things in the image. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And what about in terms of, like, the face of life? So, like, going from working full-time as an architect and then full-time as a photographer, were there times in between where you had to do both? Oh, yes. <laughs> I did both for about two years. And it was incredibly challenging. Um, so I would work Monday to Friday. And then in the evenings, like from 6, I would come home and shoot from 6.30 till 8. And wow. then in the weekends, I would say yes to weddings. Because back then, I was saying yes to everything I could. Because I didn't know what I was interested in. Um, so I would say in the weekends, I'd be shooting weddings of families and portraiture. And that was very difficult to balance the two careers. Um, and now life is so much more easier because I only have one thing to focus on, but it's more challenging because no one tells me what to do. I have to do it myself. So I've had to learn a lot about self-motivation and self-discipline, um, especially when you're o your own boss. And I've you learn on the go. So now I also learn to delegate. <laughs> 
<laughs> something that I'm not very good at, but I've had to learn how to do that. And I can honestly say that my communication skills have really improved because you've only got yourself to rely on, so. And how long was this period, like, from when you, I guess, um, left and uh, started doing this full-time until now? So I've been doing this full-time for about, I would say, three years. But I haven't been making that much money in the first two years because I was sort of setting myself up and getting a bit more established because um, I stopped saying yes to weddings. So before I was making a little bit of money doing jobs that were not bringing me a lot of joy, but I was still interested in them and I learned a lot of things from that. So it's been a while since I started to make real money doing what I actually wanted to do. Um, so I made sure that I had enough money saved up and I moved back home and my family have been incredibly supportive. I don't think there's anything wrong with using the support that you have. So yeah. that's amazing. I'm so glad that you continued throughout all the difficulties. So were there any difficult experiences in the past or difficult circumstances in the past that held you back from creating? Uh, yeah, actually for the past, not this year, but the year before, so like maybe 2017 and 18, mm -hmm. I really struggled a lot with, and this was when I was kind of setting up um, to yes. see what this could, what could happen here. Um, I really, really struggled a lot with creativity and imposter syndrome and feelings of not being very good or worthy. So I think a lot of artists go through these feelings. I think no artist can ever be 100% confident in themselves. Um, so it, especially when you're still experimenting and trying new things, especially at that phase, which is where I felt like I was. So the way I got over that, and I'm still working through it, is to honestly just invest in myself and invest in my education and learn more about my skill set. Because I may not be in control of much, but I can be in control of my knowledge and experience and expertise. So I make sure that I try and shoot a lot and I shoot in different settings and I push myself out of my comfort zone. And... Also, I learn a lot whenever I teach. So as a teacher, you have to be able to explain something very clearly to a student and then be able to answer their questions. So through that process, I learn a lot as well. So I think it's really important to, whenever you're feeling like you're not good enough, to not let it hold you back so much. However, to use that as a drive like to change that and use it as a drive to learn more. And hopefully that feeling will hopefully start fading away naturally. That's really motivating to hear. Thank you. And so for like when you were first starting out and you were putting your work out there, but then maybe you weren't like 100% sure of where it was going and things, like how did you slowly build up your name and your content? Social media. So social media has been absolutely uh, fantastic for me. I know that a lot of my work comes through social media, a lot of my referrals come through it. I reach out to so many people via it. 
Um, it's been a great resource. We're living in a time where we can directly connect with clients and consumers through social media. Um, I highly recommend people take, you know, if, if they can, then to make the most of it. And if you don't know how to use it, then there's so many videos on YouTube just breaking it down. And all you need to do is just write a little list step by step on what to do and do it. The key to social media is consistency. So just making sure that you're posting every day, that you connect with people. And then also that you, yeah, you look out, you reach out to people that you want to work with. So I always like reach out to brands and bigger companies that I feel that our aesthetics would align and I send them a proposal and email and I do that a lot. So I think it's just really, it's just really amazing to be a photographer or any kind of artist right now in the digital age. For sure. And there's also a lot of pressures too. So when you were starting out and because you have quite a niche market, and um, I think that nowadays, if someone ser searches, like, girl with flowers, then they'll see your work. And, like, how did that come about? Was it, like, kind of consciously or unconsciously? Like, were you just, like, stepping on the stones as you went? Or did you have, like, kind of this, like, kind of vision in mind that you wanted to get there? Um, I think initially I wasn't thinking about that at all. I was just trying to make work that I felt connected to and just made me happy. And I think I still hold a lot of that too now. It's really important to me that everything I create, I connect with on a really personal level. Um, as for the flowers and everything, the, the running themes in my work, I kind of decided to convert all of that into a project. So the project is called In Bloom, and that's what I'm going to be making into a book into the future. And so with that in mind, I... I'm working on that series actively and then I have other ideas that I have for future series so when I give whenever I get around to them I'll start working on those but yeah I try not to overthink it, things too much and just try and create stuff that feels really inspiring to me at that time because that that's energy that I feel and convert into an image um, that's what makes the image more really special Yes, for sure. And then over these three years, how has your perspective changed after experiencing all of this? It's been really eye-opening. I think in the middle, I felt like I was comparing myself too much, and that's where the imposter syndrome was coming in, that I felt I was comparing myself a little bit too much, that I was trying to cater to my audience. What did they want to see? So I wasn't really doing what I wanted to do. And so there's a lot of like back and forth that you have to battle with sometimes. And now I am so thankful that I finally feel that I'm really doing stuff for me and I feel completely authentic with the work that I've put out there, that this is very much my style. I'm 100% stand behind my work. And if it doesn't get received that well, it's not, it's not an, uh, it's not a, it's not my, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not the end goal at the end of the day. The end goal is that I'm pleased with what I put out into the work. So into the world. How it's received is 
if it's received great wonderful like that's only like a bonus and if it's not received so well that's okay too because I still love it and I'm so happy I created it and I got so much joy from it and that's that satisfying feeling is everything actually I think that's the most important thing yes for sure be true to what you want to do and like find your voice in that process too and so what piece of advice would you give to your younger self to be more free <laughs> honestly to be more free in how you create don't worry about other people at all in fact don't don't worry about anybody <laughs> and to honestly be more brave um I think in the beginning when I was shooting myself for a really long time I could have easily just picked up and shot other people because it doesn't matter it honestly doesn't matter how what your level or skill set is you just have to do it and through the process of just doing things you'll grow so just be brave and take don't place any pressure on yourself great thank you Thank you for sharing. And so for the exciting news segment, um, we would like to hear your new releases and also upcoming projects. And this is a chance where the community can hear it firsthand from the creator yourself. So what projects are you currently uh, working on or just launched? So at the moment, as I mentioned earlier, I'm working on my color shop. It's so important for me to set this up as a place where people can come and get beautiful storytelling colors that I actively use in my own work. I would never put anything on that that I would I don't use. I, I use it so I feel very confident to have it for other people to use. Um, and for them to just learn and love color turning as much as I do, because I feel like color turning is definitely an element in an image that can really change the emotion or expression of that picture like how you feel when you look at something um so that to me is what i'm working on at the moment so we've been making new actions and collections and presets for people to just create colors with one click however i've been taking this break to really create content that people can actively use as a resource to learn how to craft their own colors so it's one thing for me to just help make your workflow easier but it's also another thing for me to help you help yourself creating the colors that you want so that's what's coming up we already have a color course out there now but the next project coming up is going to be a color with me so. that's so exciting i'm so excited to see the new palettes that are launched from that and because your palettes it took you a number of years to develop right and what were some of like the initial ways that you developed your palette so it was honestly just trial and error and knowing that i am drawn to particular things i'm naturally drawn to painterly tones so anything painterly unusual ethereal um I love that and I love that other people love that too so that's why those are on there and then at the moment the follow with me series the color with me series is really fun because I share with the PSD so people can literally pull up the pull up the PSD on Photoshop and then edit with me together and then what I also really have been trying to push on this platform is that it's not just my voice and my color voice, it's other creatives too. So I'm working with other 
like photographers in their like leading in their fields. Like we've got Kate Woodman, we've got Lillian Lear, um, and another one called Joel. They're all fantastic artists, and so I'm bringing their educational color content to this platform too. So helping them, you know, as well. And that's super interesting. It's like a library that you guys are like creating and curating because there's styles like there's landscape and there's like different genres and just like that's so exciting to be building this range. And one of the first things people think when they see your work is it looks like a Renaissance-esque like oil painting. Like, it has the quality of a painting, actually. And so, like, are there, like, elements that you take um, from, like, I guess, oil paintings? Or, like, how did that, like, develop? I think so, but in, like, a really unconscious way. <laughs> I, I really love going to museums and galleries. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I love looking at old paintings. And back then, they didn't have as much access to color as we do now they didn't have access to particular shades of blue or particular shades of orange or purple as we do now so they had to be really conscious with how they applied their colors and so whenever I go to a museum I'm always looking at exactly how color was used and why it was used in the way they they chose to use it and that consciousness of creativity really inspires me because I feel like I translated that into how I edit and then how I pull colors together as well. And you described it really well and sometimes it's like color tones that we wouldn't think go together. Could you just like quickly show us some of the color combinations that like are in the palettes? Yeah, uh, do you mean like a screen recording? Yeah, like if you, or you can just show us like uh, I don't know how of like um, maybe if there's a before or after or I don't know if there's color swatches or what you like to do. What I can do is I'll show you the website because we have before and afters over there. So I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen, and there we go. So over here on the website, do I move this over? There we go. So if I go, so this is our website over here. It's called the Color Lab. And I'm gonna to go to Photoshop and just go into one of the palettes because we have before and afters over there. And that can help. So this is the Romantic Collection. And every, every uh, collection that we have has these before and afters. So all of our collections, so this is a before of this piece. Oh, how can I do that? Maybe I can share this one. So this is the before, and this is the after. So wow. all of these are also um, designed so that every action, for example, this is one color palette, this is another color palette, and this is another one. They're all designed so that when you overlay them on top of each other, they work really nicely too. So they work well on their own, but they also work really well when you combine them with each other. And you don't want to leave them at 100%. You want to like drop it to maybe like one of these at 10% and another one at 20%. And you can start to create really beautiful, unique color tones that, you know, with like two clicks. It's that simple.
Wow. Yeah, we try and make it as really easy and simple for people. And especially like for my, the reason why is because I want it to be simple for me. <laughs> so then like, because I do a lot of client work and color toning can take a really long time. And sometimes I haven't allocated that time in the client's budget. Right. So I'll go ahead and just like throw two of these on top of the image and then change the color, the opacity, and then boom, stunning colors. And I've like only spent like two minutes on it. So Bella's own filters, essentially. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Over here in the educational platform, this is the color course that I mentioned earlier. So for anybody who wants to go ahead, there's even a promo trail here. And we have a what's included as well, which is exactly what I go into. The first video is all about color theory, color psychology. If you ever want to know about my personal process of how I think about mm -hmm. color toning and all of my interests and how they come together to make the colors that I do, I cover in this video. And then the other videos are all about the technical side of it. So, okay, you have an idea of what you want to create, but... Yeah. Um, how do you do it? So this video is all about color adjustments in Photoshop and then this video is all about let's color tone together. Um, it's all designed to make the whole process of color grading really fun and easy and just yeah educational like I want people to be able to learn quickly so they can apply quickly. Yeah, and then in that process, when they learn about your process, process maybe they can think about their own and then develop theirs. <laughs> Exactly. I try really hard not to push my ideals because we are not the same people. I have right. different color vision and you will have a different color idea that, in a voice that's completely authentic to you. So I try really hard to not do that. It's really important to me that I give you the tools so that you can then go ahead and create your own thing very confidently. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And so uh, for your In Bloom project, I would love to hear more about that and what type of book it's going to be like. Ah, so <laughs> I am so excited for this because it's been something I've been wanting to do for a really, really long time. So the book is going to be filled with my photos and behind the scenes content because it's always really fun to see. Um, behind-the-scenes photos and stories and then there's something that we're working on which I'm not gonna say but I want it but it will add like a level of engagement when you're going through the book so I'm somebody that's you know I love to be engaged with whatever I'm doing and as it is I love um, reading and writing so that's going to be in the book too but there'll be something else in there to make the book extra Wow, a surprise element. I'm thinking what it could be. I'll think about it. <laughs> and so when are you thinking about releasing it? Um, Honestly, I don't know. I thought we would be able to release it at the end of this year, but with everything going on, that's not going to happen. So I yeah. think I'll be lucky if we release it by the end of next year because, I, I again, I don't know how long the situation is going to last. And I know that a lot of projects have been halted right now um, for not just me but on a massive global scale so we'll see hopefully it'll be 2021 but definitely by 2022 
<laughs> yeah, it's so great hearing about all your projects, and especially some of them like Color Lab, like we could do in this time too, and we can join in. Um, I think a lot of us are sitting at home and finding more time than usual, and just like you said, kind of working on our own skill set and taking the time to focus on us. Um, while all of this is happening in the world is probably like a positive step forward. And so in this time, are there, what's like a really cool project that you've seen? Oh, that other people have done? Yes. So a friend of mine called Kelly Robain, um, she's been doing something really amazing. She's been collaborating with other photographers and her work is very um, manipulated in Photoshop. So she's been, usually she would shoot her own pieces and then manipulate it. But because we're in this current time, she doesn't have shoots planned. So she's actually been sourcing the images from other photographers and, yeah, turning them into her art pieces and doing a whole project like that, which I think is really, really cool because she's utilizing her community. So I was thinking about how I could utilize my community too in a really fun way, but I think right now I have my hands full. Yeah, like a connectivity project. Yeah, always really fun. Um, I think right now if you're feeling a little bit lonely because of what's going on and we're all, since we're all stuck at home, definitely use this time to connect with your either your community or a community because there's so many Facebook groups and so many... Um, other you know groups of people who are con united by their shared interests so you could don't feel afraid to reach out and be like hi can we set up a meeting or a call or something like that you'd be surprised at how many people are open to connecting on this level yes and for all that time exactly and outreach is just so important it's like a click away but then sometimes we're just hesitant or overthink it but it's really nice to hear from you say like oh yeah like you're always like happy to receive a message too always it's surprising like I it's amazing how so many people have messaged me and then obviously I will reply back and they'll be like oh I didn't realize like you were you replied <laughs> So don't be afraid to reach out to people, too. I think a lot of people get nervous about it. Um, I do. Yeah. But then I also know that if nobody, if they don't want to reply, that's that's fine. And if they do, you've now got a connection. So, yes. And we're, yeah, now it's like a time where we should be more connected. And, I mean, we are virtually, so. Yeah, and it's so important. It's so important to have these connections because opportunities come from our connections um we sometimes forget that because we a lot of people wait for opportunities to come to them but opportunities can actively happen from the connections you make um i hate to say networking because i feel like it sounds so corporate um but i feel like connections is a really good word just the more people you're connected with then the more opportunity will come your way because the more people know you. For sure, and especially like in the creatives industry, because a lot of us just, our, our lifestyle is work from home. Like sure. now it's like a shift to work from home style, but it's been like this for us for a long time. And so that could like working alone is pretty tough. And to know that there's more people that are doing it together can be motivating. Mm -hmm. I think so too. 
it's yes. good to know that we're not alone right now. <laughs> exactly. And so thanks so much for all these positive thoughts. And so to end on um, a positive note, what's one thing that you're grateful for today? Oh, the sunshine. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> I, the sun is shining right now. It's actually setting. Um, I can see it in the distance. But I'm so happy that the sun is shining today. It's a lovely spring day. I'm really grateful for that and for my family and for our health. I feel like this whole thing. Yeah, I think it like helped me to really like reprioritize things of like what's actually important. And that's been really nice during this time and just knowing that we're all healthy and safety and safe and then enjoying each other's company. Yeah. And I think it's so important to know that it because I feel like I'm living a little bit on the edge feeling that, you know, I can't take it for granted. Um, because of the way things are you it's so I'm so thankful that we're healthy right now and I don't want to take my now for granted. For sure. Thanks so much for sharing all of that and for sharing your real stories and honest thoughts. Thank and you so really much excited. For this, like great opportunity. Thank you. And thank you for sharing all the exciting things that are happening. We're so excited to hear more about them and to follow your process. Um, cool. Yeah, thank you. Thank you too, Emily. This is really fun. Yes, and um, I also want to say a big thank you to Kohei. Without his help, this would not have been possible. Um, yes, so thank you both very much. And I'm really excited to hear this episode and to unpack and fully absorb all the different things that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. I look forward to hearing it too. <laughs> okay, great, guys. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in. We would love to hear your thoughts or questions. Please let us know in the comments and review section, and we'll try to cover it in the next sessions. If you enjoyed this content, please share and subscribe for more episodes. For latest updates, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Art Focus Exchanges.